The savings rock when you find a new way to roll. Like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, commuter connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit valottery.com. Hey everybody, Holden here. And I'm Jake. And we're here to tell you about the Wizard and the Bruiser podcast, a podcast in which we take any subject in nerd culture and in fandom. We talk about comic books, movies, anime, and we explain just what all the fuss is about. And this isn't just white guys talk about the stuff they read on the internet this week. It's not just These that. are deep dives into the hidden histories of all these franchises that you think you know the story behind, but you have no idea how deep the hole gets. We cover Spawn. We cover Wonder Woman. We cover Dragon Ball Z. We cover the thing we're talking about the film the thing <laughs> and not the secret that we must never mention <laughs> so join us for wisdom the bruiser podcast on lpn let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you <laughs> it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? This is your old, tall, large friend, Benjamin Kissel. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to Abe Lincoln's Top at Travis Morningstar. You might hear him chirp, 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 chirp every now and again. Um, if he wants to talk, if you want, to, if you want to speak, Travis, you're I'm, more. I'm much shorter. And mm-hmm. but just as jittery as Ben is well, right now. Well, I'm doing something called Grady's Cold Brew. Now this is a French vanilla coffee, and it makes eight cups of coffee. Evidently, this is called from concentrate coffee concentrate. Yeah, this is so very dangerous. This is like Ben is drinking mercury from a thermometer. Right now, you're supposed to be mixing that with water, uh, but I actually mixed the uh, Grady's Cold Brew again, French vanilla flavor, really fantastic. I mixed that with a little Starbucks French vanilla. So I got a double French vanilla going on here. I am feeling razzed right now. Not to get absolutely, on, ra- I'm like Alex Jones right now. Not to get on too much of a tangent, but if it, have you ever got a nitro cold brew from Starbucks? Oh, buddy, yes, I have. I asked for a large, and the guy mm-hmm. stopped and told me that it was illegal to give me a large. I understand of why. the nitro cold brew. See, now they would have forced me to have the large. Yeah, that's the difference between our realities, uh, and this is probably why one of us are not going to live as long as the other. And who knows? That's up for debate. That's a, yeah. We're, let's guess. That is up for debate. I think we're both going to live long, happy, successful lives, just like the people listening to this show. So we have a bunch of stuff to get to, some funny stories, uh, and then some not as funny stories. Humorous tale, I would say, just another indication of total narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, is when it comes to Donald Trump Mm -hmm. and his high school records. We're going to talk about what happened to those. Where did they go? The mystery of the (laughs) hidden records. It sounds like the saddest episode of all time for Scooby-Doo. It just sounds like an episode where kids are like, I'm super excited for this dog to solve a crime. And then they're like, what's the case today? It's Dumpy Dumpy Dillhead. Uh, 
uh, he lost his high school records, or he misplayed, or he hid his high school records, and we have to go find the them. lamest, the lamest episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about that also on a much more serious note regarding Jeffrey Epstein. Of course, he's the pedophile billionaire who got kids for the world's elite bill clinton donald trump they were all there uh, the wealthy folks were hanging out with them no one bothered to ask where are these people coming from which again is something that i think is the first thing you should ask if you have even a small inkling of concern that these people might not be there based on their free will or are underage and should not be there in the first place. And I also do want to correct the record a little bit regarding what we were talking about with Robert Kraft on um, on side stories, what, I guess a week ago or something yeah. like that. Evidently, I don't I haven't really followed that case too closely, but we did get some messages being like, oh, you're demonizing. Like, I thought you guys were so cool with sex workers and all this stuff. But it's I don't care. I, I love sex workers. Get out there. Have a great time. Consensual sex between adults. I don't care if there's money being exchanged or whatever. Have a good time. Stay safe. The issue was, again, where are the girls coming from? It's human and trafficking. Human is trafficking issue. is the issue. Now, I don't know where that story is going to go. Evidently, the police might have misled some people somewhat. Uh, with their initial, you know, whatever blanket statement, but who knows? Either way, I don't. It's not that Robert Kraft was going to get some sort of massage or a what one could call a the rub, and then the pull. Um, but that's not the issue. It's just again. We have to be really careful to make sure that all of these things are on the up and up, which is why I believe decriminalizing or outright legalizing is probably the way to go. Of course, there are some people in the sex work industry that say decriminalizing is preferred uh, because when you legalize, you know, you have a lot of government over, uh, mm -hmm. you have a lot of government uh, regulation that comes into play, perhaps some new standards and practices. Who knows? Either way, it changes the situation a little bit. Decriminalizing at the very least is the way to go and also you know stop having the onus of criminality always on the individual who is on the streets uh, soliciting the johns for prostitution in many countries the john is actually or the the person that's going and paying for the sex is the person who is criminalized in our society it's uh, it's the prostitute or the sex worker uh, that is criminalized right. so all of that stuff has to change and we have to have a much more fair a conversation about sex work and a much more intelligent conversation about how to make sure everyone is safe and everything is on uh, the up and up. And that's the problem with these. When you make things illegal, when everything is shameful, you push everything underground. And that is when human trafficking is allowed to reign supreme. Exactly. So Jeffrey Epstein, uh, it is possible now uh, that his plea deal, his un like sweeter than sweet plea deal, it is like it is like Augustus Gloop would be swimming inside of this plea deal, mm -hmm. sucking it all up from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, it's possible that that will then be thrown out. Everything may be unsealed because uh, Acosta, who is, of course, now our Secretary of Labor, he got promoted because he did such a bad job as the U.S. Attorney for South Florida in 2008. Eight, he was one of the main guys behind this plea deal. Uh, it led to two felony charges in state court. They didn't make this a federal crime. And of course, you would have to assume Jeffrey Epstein got these kids or got these young people from all over the country, all over the world, without a doubt, crossed international lines, crossed state lines for mm -hmm. sure, at the very least, making this a federal crime. 
uh, evidently Acosta and the lawyers for South Florida, they didn't inform any of the victims who came forward and were like, yeah, we were trafficked by Jeffrey Epstein, a really uncomfortable position. They treated them more like sex workers. They treated them like they were not to be believed, not to be listened to, like they were less than as opposed to what they were, which is 15, 16 year old kids who were way over their head all of a sudden at sex parties staring at the weird nose of Bill Clinton. I mean, can you imagine that? You're just like 16, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, that's that's William Jefferson Clinton, and his, his pants are down? You get, you get snatched up by Oompa Loompas and find yourself in Jeffrey Epstein's chocolate factory. It is absolutely horrifying, and I hate that analogy that you just gave because it makes me think about something I don't want to be thinking about, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's. A chocolate, chocolate factory. factory. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that regarding will there be some new charges? Uh, maybe they will now say it's a federal crime. Obviously, we have to think about double jeopardy and stuff like that. But it does seem at the very least the documents are going to be unsealed. And I'm assuming within those documents we're going to learn a lot about the clout of one Jeffrey Epstein, the billionaire uh, who was quite frankly, able to get away with child human sex it, trafficking. What is it so, going to take to get this guy like in trouble? I think maybe he has too many you know, high-status friends. Oh, yes. You, know, you don't want to see the black book that this guy has in his back pocket. I guarantee you that has a lot to do with it. A lot of people will be named if everything is unsealed. I mean, they don't want... They don't want to be known as the dudes who hung out with Jeffrey Epstein, even though many of them were the dudes who hung out with Jeffrey Epstein. So we'll keep on following uh, that story as well. Paul Manafort was also sentenced. He got four years. He was looking up to like 20 to 25 years. So a lot of folks thought that that sentence was light. You know, he's around, what, late 60s, early 70s. Four years is no joke. He also has another trial coming up, staring down the barrel of 10 years. We'll see. I I think they could probably give him a billion years. And uh, he's just going to get pardoned. He also has gout. He also has the gout, which is the king's disease. Yeah. When Biggie said, mo money, mo problems, he was talking about gout. No, I believe that wholeheartedly. And, uh, you know, Biggie actually very possibly did indeed suffer from gout as well. I don't know if he had a lot of the lobster bisque, but that's what happens when you start eating good. You get get that gout. Although I do believe he's been in jail. So it's I guess maybe he's eating the best oh, of the jail no. cuisine well, i'm not he's sure probably sneaking in some some pretty delicious foods it could be so paul manafort the political consultant and trump presidential campaign chairman whose lucrative work in ukraine and ties to well-connected russians made him a target of the special counsel now he was sentenced again there was just just this week to nearly four years in prison they took off nine months for time served nice. when his ju- or when his lawyer came out and talked about the Uh, The sentence, you know, he made sure to mention how the judge blatantly said there was no collusion, Mm -hmm. no collusion. So that played very well into Donald Trump's narrative that there's no collusion. And Donald Trump felt the need to take to Twitter and say, see, more definitive proof as my former campaign manager is going to prison for four years that there's nothing wrong here, that there's no, no collusion, nothing wrong at all. It's totally normal to have your campaign manager 
just sentenced to prison <laughs> yes. uh, for almost half a decade and uh, no doubt will be seen. Yeah, I think uh, his some res- more time behind bars. Trump's it's, response to it was like, it's a shame. It's a shame to hear that. The I'm silver sorry. lining. I'm sorry I mean, to hear that. That's the thing with Donald Trump. It is like everything, he finds the silver lining. <laughs> yeah. And it's like your campaign manager is still going away for ties with Ukraine and strange Russian relationships. So, you know, it's Get- not exactly a joyous moment for your campaign. This doesn't make your campaign look like, Everything squeaky clean, no collusion. Look at that. Get well soon. Get well soon. But, like that's that's his response to it. And of course, I again, Donald Trump is going to pardon uh, Paul Manafort. I am one billion percent sure of it because Paul Manafort, as opposed to Michael Cohen, took the hard way. And evidently, Michael Cohen did just straight up ask for a pardon from Donald Trump, and <laughs> Donald Trump said no, which. There are some things, going back to that testimony with Michael Cohen in front of the House hearing, um, of course, led by Elijah Cummings there. It does seem like he may have lied once again. It's That's why he's such a crappy witness. Yeah. This dude is still the slimy lawyer for Donald Trump for a decade. Yeah, he's not He's not the you know, hero. He's no. not suddenly the hero be, no. because of uh, that's why when, coming forward. That's why when he set up that GoFundMe and stuff like that, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> he's still like such a freaking schmuck. <laughs> uh, but whatever. He's also loaded, so you don't got to worry about giving him any money whatsoever. I also want to talk a little bit about what's going on right now with the Democratic Party. Representative Ilhan Omar, now she's out of Minneapolis, out of Minnesota. She had some controversial statements regarding the state of Israel, regarding certain lawmakers who, you know, she sort of said that if you are pro-Israel, if you back Israel wholeheartedly, perhaps your heart or your intentions aren't in the right place when it comes to for uh, when it comes to creating US policy. She says uh, you know that you might be working for two governments perhaps. Have we heard that before? Is sure. there any other rumors going around about another person who might be working for a different government perhaps? Nonetheless, this riled up a lot of people uh, within the Democratic Party. Now the Republican Party, they don't have a leg to stand on here really. First of all, Democrat or Republican, we give tons of money to Israel. We always will, and we have for quite a long time. Benjamin Netanyahu, speaking of people that are in trouble, that know Donald Trump, he is also looking at significant time and being ousted as a a leader there in Israel regarding corruption um, and just campaign violations, basically everything under the sun. They're like, Benjamin Netanyahu, you did. So he's not doing very well in his position of power right now in Israel. Nonetheless, Ilhan Omar sparked some outrage and a little controversy when she made these statements. She also talks about how our relationship with Israel is all, quote, about the Benjamins. So she's tying in some common tropes regarding Jewish individuals, stereotypes about them, uh, the, the amount of money that they contribute to politics. But at the same time, we do have to remember that, you know, what's going on right now with Israel and Palestine is exceptionally complex. My girlfriend was just over there for a week. What they have right now with the, you know, the two states, it's it's just, you know, you got Palestinians who are basically prisoners in their own country. Hamas is just ruling them and no one is happy. Um, it's extremely strict, obviously, to cross the border. You really can't do it if you're a Jewish person and vice versa. If you're Palestinian coming over, Brooke was able to travel over um, and actually experience a little bit of what that's like to be living in Palestine. And uh, she said it was quite interesting and extremely intense. You can hear gunshots going off on a regular basis. 
seemed a little dangerous, and quite frankly, I wasn't thrilled that she was over there. So the conversation regarding Israel and what's happening in that part of the Middle East is so huge, we couldn't solve it. Uh, you know, obviously, we're not going to solve it here on this episode or not the next episode either. Probably no time soon will that be solved. So when she's talking about these things regarding Israel, I don't think that it's inappropriate to have some rational and intellectual criticisms of Israeli policy. But you have to be careful not to overgeneralize an entire group of people, talk about financial, you know, wealth and how they might use those, you know, use that cash um, I mean, with lobbyists and whatnot to get what they want. the concept of lobbying. That's all. Like, I mean, that in my personal opinion, I think well, she was, you know, it's I gotta easy say, to jump on something like that and call it anti-Semitic, but she's talking about the corruptive power of lobbying. She is, but I got to say, and yeah, and I agree with that, and I understand where she's coming from with that. Of course, Donald Trump tweeted out how it's it's horrible, it's pathetic, it's, it's totally anti-Semitic, but that uh, doesn't really hold a lot of water coming from Donald Trump. Of course, mister, there's good people on both sides. So as a response to this, Nancy Pelosi has had, she is, it's like, you know, it's a, what do you call that? Herding cats, uh-huh. herding cats. She's having a hell of a time. The, the, <laughs> the Democratic caucus is really it's it's in a fascinating kind of phase right now, sort of figuring out where what are we? You know what mm-hmm. what does the Democratic Party stand for? What's the platform? And you can criticize AOC and you can criticize uh, Talib and some of these new members of Congress with more of their progressive plans like the Green New Deal and stuff. At the very least, and there are some issues with Green New, with the Green New Deal, but there are some concepts that I think are valid. At the very least, they're coming forward with a platform. Yeah. And that's something the Democratic Party has been lacking for a long time. And a lot of people were just Tell us what you are. Tell us what the Democratic Party is. And now, of course, um, we're starting to hear people contribute uh, to that conversation. And I think when it's all done, when the cake is done baking, I think the Democratic Party could be in good shape. Um, Now, of course, we can talk about Joe Biden here in a second. But nonetheless, Nancy Pelosi trying to get all of these different opinions, trying to get all these different egos, trying to get all these different political um, ideologies together under one roof. That roof, of course, being the Democratic Party. So the House, in response to Omar, although they did not mention her in this, uh, they passed a sweeping resolution this Thursday condemning, now, quote, and this is like, you know, this is, I don't want it's very nice, but it does not matter. Like, this is so, it's a little bit ridiculous. It's a waste of energy. Yes, it's a little bit of a waste of energy, and it's a little bit like pat on the back, like congratulations. Anyway, I understand. The Democrats are so comfortable in this role of like like siding with outrage and against something that is obviously bad, like the idea of anti-Semitism. But this is like the the butt print and the couch of the Democratic Party is like okay, we let's 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 uh, jump on the outrage. But you know, it is it is good though, as opposed to where. The Republican Party was after years and years. You look at Representative Steve King, Steve King out of Iowa, of course. For years, that man has been saying much worse stuff uh, than Omar. Now, of course, he doesn't look like Omar. He doesn't have a headscarf like Omar. Perhaps that has something to do with the, with the heavy criticism. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, perhaps that, that, that plays into it. These are just questions. I don't know. I don't know the hearts of everyone. Um, but, of course, the Republican Party is like, it's all good until exceptionally recently where he literally had to say, what's wrong with white supremacy? What's wrong <laughs> yeah. with white nationalism? I'm just asking questions. It literally took him being like, 
I'll burn a cross. I don't care. Whatever. I'll, I love the. I love a white robe. I like a hood. You know, it took him. Look, we love innuendo. He had to say, like, literally had to just say that I am a white supremacist, yes. and they're like, uh, well, now we can't even lie for you anymore, King. Yeah. You moron. So of course he was censured, and um, he was kicked off of his committees, and now he's the loneliest man in Washington D.C. Racist ass. Well, I don't. I can't even imagine what Steve King's life is like on a daily basis. Just the. S- drinking whiskey slowly out of a Dixie cup, staring out the window, seeing all of his friends hang out, um, just living like a sad, sad boy who got an in-school suspension and can't go out for recess for the day. So this is a, this is the House bill. This was the resolution. And uh, this it condemned, quote, every form of bigotry. This was after a heated debate. How brave. I know. Every form of bigotry. After a heated debate over freshman Minnesota rep Ilhan Omar's controversial comments about Israel. The anti-hate bill, which was introduced by Democratic leadership and in broad strokes condemns anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, white supremacy, and racism at large, breeze through the lower chamber <laughs> on a 407 to 23 margin. So 407 people said, well, this is the... Okay, uh, yeah. I can get on board. 23 did not. The lawmakers on both sides of the aisle appear displeased with the bill despite its overwhelming passage. Republicans loyal to President Trump, including reps Liz Cheney, of course, Liz Cheney uh, out of Wyoming. She did some really sketchy stuff to get that seat, by the way. But And Lee Zeldin of New York voted no in protest because they were upset the, the measure didn't explicitly call out Omar for recent comments that critics have called anti-Semitic. Progressive Democrats, meanwhile, voted for the bill but privately questioned why the House would waste time rebuffing a woman of color when Trump and other Republicans had previously gotten a pass for what they see as similar conduct. So that really is where the Democratic Party and the Republican Party differ. Now, this is for better or for worse. The Democratic Party does try to hold people uh, who have the D next to their name accountable for the words that they say Mm -hmm. and their actions. Now, is this always the right political thing? Is this the right political maneuver? Uh, that's that's up for debate. You know, obviously, Democrats have lost houses and seats have lost seats all over this country for many years. I mean, they lost a thousand basically under Obama across the country. If you look at the Republicans, whatever, they will adapt. Lindsey yeah. Graham is Donald Trump's number one dude. He's his number one bro He's right now. Salacious crumb. And yeah, we yeah. have and we have a situation where Donald Trump continues uh, to undermine and malign uh, John McCain. Of course, Michelle Malkin at CPAC, this disgusting uh concern i mean the cpac not even i'm not even dissing like traditional cpac whatever grover norquist wants to go on there and talk about taxes all right this new trump era of republicanism and of conservatism is so vile and so nasty and look no further if you want evidence of that look no further than cpac michelle malkin is on stage now michelle malkin is you know her her 15 minutes are almost up she is she just she's holding on to her career by a strand of Donald Trump's hair and she's on stage in CPAC talking about immigration. Now, keep in mind, all of us are immigrants and Michelle Malkin should know this better than anyone um, talking about immigration and how the Republican Party failed for so many years on immigration. They were way too liberal on immigration because, you know, everyone thought that mm-hmm. comprehensive immigration uh, reform, trying to actually figure out what to do with the problem as opposed to building a wall rant uh, and, you know, nonsense 
she actually mocked the ghost of John McCain. She literally said, this is, you know, she talked about some Republic rhinos, as, as these people might call them, Republicans in name only. Talks about Paul Ryan. Um, I forget who else she talked about when it comes to immigration. And then she talks about, and I'm talking to you, the ghost of John McCain. <laughs> and she points to the sky when she's giving her CPAC speech. And I'm like, hashtag so brave, hashtag brave, hashtag hero. Um, taking down the ghost of John McCain. Congratulations. But that just shows you how classless and just how polarized and just how disgusting and sad American politics have become where we can't even honor someone, politics aside, who had a long, long legacy. He's gone. The man is dead. His family is still alive. Well, Show some freaking respect and understand that that is not making you look good. It doesn't make Trump look good. And it doesn't make the people at CPAC look good. It makes everyone look like they are a bunch of assholes. McCain's ghost silence on this is, is, speaks volumes. It though. really does. He re- it I mean, really does. The fact does. that he didn't, he didn't come back at all is... Uh, no, I know. It's, she's it, right. And strike him and strike her uh, dead, rather. Um, so that's going on right now within the Democratic Party. And obviously... The news cycle will continue on and everything will be fine. All right, let's talk a little bit about 2020 and what's going to happen. I also want to read a couple of different DMs I got from people who had a chance to interact with Marty at the <laughs> with Marty at Giant Foods uh, supermarket. And there's another one. I think his name is Ricky or something. So I'm going to read a couple of DMs here in a second. But let's talk about 2020. What's going on uh, with uh, with candidates? This was an interesting week. Because one candidate did announce, and because of that, many other candidates have said, "Well, not uh, this is not going to be not going to be the year for me." So Joe Biden has said he's going to get in, basically, and this makes it really difficult for a lot of other more you know older statesmen. For example, uh, Sherrod Brown or Sherrod Brown. I like Sherrod better. Everyone's like it's Sherrod, not Sherrod, but Sherrod. I don't know. It, it just sounds. It sounds like a a, a shrivelly Sherrod. Sherrod is a strong name. Sherrod. It's crazy that he's a white guy from Ohio. I just want it to be Sherrod, but I understand. It's it's Sherrod. So he has said, "I'm out. I'm not going to bother putting my family through this. Um, the field is crowded enough." Now, the one bummer about Sherrod not getting in, of course, he's out of Ohio. Uh, the Midwest, these are some key states that the Democratic Party has to pick up. Of course, that was really where Donald Trump was able to pull off the upset. No one saw Wisconsin, uh, Michigan. You know, no one saw these states going the way that they did. And the Midwest really does uh, help when it comes to a national election. Amy Klobuchar, of course, out of Minnesota, is currently the only uh, candidate. Uh, hailing from the Midwest. So with the Ohio senator following former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who has also said he's gone, Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon and former Attorney General Eric Holder has also said he is out. And I never really understood the Eric Holder thing anyway, because mm-hmm. he was never really a politician. I mean, obviously had a highly political job, although is Attorney General supposed to be that hyper-political? Uh, yes, it is, but He's a god. I don't. I don't think that Eric Holder would have done very well anyway. I, don't, I really was always confused. I was like, but what? 
why why would anyone vote for you? No, no. I don't understand. I think most it. people dislike him. Yeah, kind I think that's of. That's the general. I just don't want to. I don't. You know, it's hard enough for me to get my head around Kamala Harris being a prosecutor because I do think she's just a cop, and I don't necessarily want that to be our president because I want someone that represents all of us. Anyway, Senator Tammy Duckworth, she's a Democrat out of Illinois who gave her literally her body uh, for this country in the war. I love Tammy Duckworth. Um, I actually thought she might possibly uh, get in at some point maybe not this cycle but I, th- I think at some point she really might I you know there's something about her that I really you, you can't argue uh, with what she put herself through on behalf of this country so this is what she had to say she says I just wish there were more Midwesterners I'm with you on that Tammy we could always use a few more Midwesterners that's what I say uh, then she goes on to say, I'm more depressed by the news that Sherrod's not getting in than anything else. Now, Brown, of course, he was never polling in the top tier of the primary contenders. But for many Democrats, his departure was a wrenching reminder of the party's collapse in the Midwest in 2016. This is according to former New Mexico governor Bill Richardson. This is what he had to say. And of course, Bill Richardson he was he was larger and now he's thinner. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you recognize him. If you saw him, you would recognize him. He worked closely with Bill Clinton on a series of different things, and uh, you know was quite. Uh, he's he's a he's a regular. If you watch the television news programs, you get to see him out there, and he's quite powerful within the Democratic Party, sort of a an elder statesman, if you will. This is what he had to say. He says, "I strongly regret that Brown is not getting in the race because I think if that's a big if if we're going to win." We have to concentrate on four states, and that's Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. He goes on to say, that's my biggest concern, that the Midwest is not represented in the race. So, of course, how would we get that representation? Uh, Someone like an Amy Klobuchar, if she doesn't make it on the top of a ticket, uh, maybe she is a VP candidate getting Minnesota. Now, naturally, uh, Minnesota went for Hillary anyway, and Minnesota is a little bit more solid blue just because of Minneapolis and the Twin Cities and St. Paul. Um, outside, you know, once you start getting into more rural Minnesota, obviously Michelle Bachman comes from there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get some pretty evangelical conservatives out there. So it's not it's not the bluest state in the history of uh, in the history of the country or anything, but it's a relatively strong blue state. Nonetheless, I think being from the Midwest would probably help uh, because people don't really I was trying to tell my buddy this in Minnesota, like people in Wisconsin and people in Minnesota, they don't get along, but everyone else in the world thinks they're the same. Yeah, of course. So it doesn't matter. I would describe these four states as the the juggalo quadrant. Like, uh, I think, uh, you know, are the jug, is ICP? Michigan. Is it, are they running, are they old enough to run for president? ICP, oh my God, yeah, they're way over 36. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Tech Nine could run for president. Uh, yeah, this is this is the Juggalo quadrant, and it, it it's surprisingly, it's like a good weird mix of red and blue. One of the most important things we all do for our health every day is brushing our teeth. Yet so many of us aren't doing it properly. That's where Quip comes in. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and you know what? Even enjoyable. Did you know 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly? That's why the Quip comes with a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helping guide a full and even clean. 
And did you also know three out of four people use old, worn out, and plain old, ineffective bristles? That's why Quip automatically delivers brush heads to you on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. Quip is the first electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association and has thousands of verified five-star reviews. And one of those five-star reviews is from me. I love that Quip delivers brush heads right to my door to make sure I'm not using the same old grimy brush for too long, and the Quip runs off batteries. No clunky chargers or tangled wires taking up space in my bathroom. That's why I love Quip, and why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash top hat right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash top hat. So Brown is the populist who toured early nominating states heralding the dignity of work was widely viewed as potentially drawing support from Biden as well as fellow progressive senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. This is according to uh, Ohio governor, former Ohio governor Ted Strickland. He says, I would think of all the candidates or potential candidates running that Sherrod's decision of not running would be the most significant for Biden. And there's another fella. Now, this Ted Strickland guy is supporting another fella, Washington Governor Jay Inslee, who is really running hard on uh, the environment. His entire campaign is predicated on, you know, uh, what's going on with climate change, global warming, whatever the heck you want to call it. Uh, That's really his big issue. And I think that issue resonates with a lot of people. But of course, uh, Jay Inslee, he is still in. So Biden getting in, Uh, has sort of deterred a couple of other people from deciding to throw their names in the ring, and we will see what happens. The polling data right now does look good for Joe Biden. Obviously, name recognition is through the roof, and uh, where we stand right now, it looks like Joe Biden has the best chance. But again, we are, what, 18 months away? 16 months? A lot can change. Uh, So if you aren't a Biden supporter, uh, hang in there. And uh, and keep up the good fight. We have a whole primary happening here, and it's going to be a lot of fireworks and very exciting. God, a Biden presidency sounds so boring. Well, I mean, he used to be considered quite exciting, as a matter of fact, because he swore sometimes. Oh, God. I like him. <laughs> Come on. We just had, like, a crazy traumatic presidential victory with Trump. Like, get we need to get away from the past like, well there are a lot of people on. jesus there are a lot of people who are like that's a white dude he's uh you know gonna be over 70 i think he'd be the oldest ever elected president in these united states of america so the democratic party is just openly being like do we want a white dude do we want an old ass white dude and you know i don't know it's it, again it doesn't really matter what well the party wants elect ma- marty the robot for president no 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 he can't he's too young but um no but of course it's it's up to the people And they will make that decision throughout the primary process. Uh, Without a doubt, Joe Biden has himself in a strong position. And we shall see with the debates coming up in the very near future. Well, speaking of Marty the Robot, I want to read a couple of DMs here from people who have had uh, who have had interactions with these demonic, devilish (laughs) brushes, um, horrifying Absolutely vile creatures that we are calling Marty the Robot. 
Um, this is from Matt Garcia. He DM'd me. He said, so I've encountered a robot like Marty, but it wasn't a six-foot-tall vacuum, and it seemed more like a Ricky the robot. It actually scanned barcodes and made sure all items were in place on the shelves in a local Walmart. But not only was this thing annoying, but it also blinded me and beeped as if screaming if an item was not in the correct position. Basically, this robot was a dictator over the worker who had to follow it around and make sure no one messed with it or that it didn't turn over or didn't run over a random child. So that is horrifying. And this is coming in from Kyla. She writes... Hi, Ben. Name is Kyla. Hello, Kyla. I've been listening to last podcast with my husband for years. I work at a giant food store in New Hope, Pennsylvania. We just got our Marty the Robot today. I had sent a picture to my husband this morning and expressed how creepy it was. Then I heard your episode and it blew my mind when you and Henry immediately started talking about the same robot that creeped me out all day at work. By the way, it doesn't even clean up the spills. It just beeps, and then you have to have someone come and clean up the spill as it yells at the person who was on their hands and knees making seven fifty an hour as the robot just tells them to clean it up. It's 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 horrifying. If you need if you need a tutorial on how to evade slash attack these robots, watch the movie Chopping Mall. I will. Have you seen the movie Chopping Mall? I haven't seen that Mall one yet. Enlist security guards that are robots and then they go haywire and a bunch of teenagers who are having sex in the mall have to fight them off. And they do it with a plum. So I, I recommend Chopping Mall to fight off uh, to fight off Marty's. Okay, Chopping Mall it is. Check that out. We can't let Marty take over our lives. And right now it is beginning. It's the dumb robots. It's the dumb robots. And uh, that's the problem. You know, robots and automation, they're just an extension of humanity. And if the idiots among us are the ones who are going to start, you know, implementing how robots are going to be used across the country and across, you know, the cities all over this country... It's really going to look like a lot of Martys, and it's going to be really sad. And I just want to hit it with a baseball bat. That's all I know. All right. Well, let's just let's just finish up here with uh, not with the episode. Don't even worry about it. I'll never leave you. OK, um, but let's talk about what's going on with Jeffrey Epstein. So a federal appeals court panel signaled this past Wednesday that it is strongly inclined to set in motion a process likely to expose more sordid details in the politically charged scandal surrounding Jeffrey Epstein, the wealthy financier and philanthropist. Also, do we have to say philanthropist? Isn't it mostly like human trafficker? Like really philanthropist? I mean, okay, he is wealthy, but I don't know if we really need to go into his philanthropic uh, tendencies, whose relatively cushy plea deal on underage sex charges a decade ago has become a political liability for Labor Secretary Alex Acosta. Uh, This is according to a Politico article. Sparks flew during arguments before the Second Circuit Court of Appeals in Manhattan as a lawyer for Virginia Roberts Guffrey, an Epstein accuser, repeatedly reiterated his client's claim leveled several years ago that Harvard Law professor Alan Dershowitz not only defended Epstein, but also had sex with some of the women Epstein victimized. Now, this is a little inside baseball here. I've got to meet Alan Dershowitz a couple of times uh, when I was at Fox, you know, in the green room and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, he was a guest on Red Eye, one of those uh, many years ago now, I guess three, three or two years ago. And um, he was in town to face a deposition Mm -hmm. about underage sex. And I think it was this. So if you you look at the people who was defending uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Alan Dershowitz, there was another dude, Ken Starr, of of Uh the famous Ken Starr report. Um, And that's when we talk about 
the the powerful people that Jeffrey Epstein allowed yeah. uh, aligned himself with. No kidding, these lawyers. No kidding, these lawyers wanted a sealed indictment, and they got him a cushy plea deal because they were all involved in it. And who the hell knows? I'm not. I have no idea if uh, Acosta went to any of these parties. I don't freaking know. Probably, probably not. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, even though um, my history here of doing last podcast on the left should probably <laughs> wane me from giving anyone the benefit of the doubt these days. But it seems like uh, the lawyers also had a vested interest in making sure none of the details of these underage sex. Um, I don't want to say parties. I mean, because they're, you know, festivals of victims. Um, They had a vested interest in making sure that these things are sealed. And uh, so people don't know what happened. This is according to Judge Rosemary Pooler. This is what she has to say regarding Alan Dershowitz. So she says, are you saying Mr. Dershowitz came up in other documents? Castle replied, absolutely, absolutely. Dershowitz's attorney, Andrew Selly, pleaded with the court to immediately, quote, immediately release three documents that he contends will demonstrate that, is it Geoffrey? Jeffrey, Jeffrey. No, it's a G-I-U-F-F-R-E. This is the victim's last name. Ooh. I think it might be Geoffrey. I apologize if I'm butchering that. So he wants three documents that he contends will demonstrate that Geoffrey is lying about having had sex with Alan Dershowitz, which is an image that Uh-oh. nobody ever wants to have in their head. So Selly told the judges, and again, that's the lawyer for Alan Dershowitz. He says he has been pillared in public discourse on this issue falsely. He says, quote, his reputation has been besmirched. We don't object to any document being released. We just want our requested documents released Immediately, the showdown at the appeals court Wednesday is centered on records amassed as part of the civil suit uh, that was brought against Maxwell over her alleged involvement in Epstein's practice of hiring teenage girls to give him, quote, massages that often included sexual acts. There were only passing mentions of Acosta, who was, of course, the U.S. attorney for South Florida in 2008 when federal prosecutors there struck a deal with Epstein that ruled out federal charges and led to the investment managers pleading guilty to two felony charges in state court. Criticism of Acosta's role intensified in recent months following a Miami Herald series about Epstein and a judge's ruling last month that he and other prosecutors violated federal law by failing to consult with Epstein's victims before agreeing to the plea deal. So evidently you have to tell the victims uh, that the plea deal, this is what they're going to do. This is uh, theoretically the prosecution is supposed to be acting uh, in the best interest or on behalf of the victims. They did not inform the victims. They just, they signed it, sealed it. Sent uh, Epstein away for 13 months. Uh, of course, he had work leave. He had an office set up. The guy was even allowed to travel. It was. It's not. He was not in jail. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Is- Dinesh D'Souza had a more difficult jail experience, and he was uh, allowed to come out every single day to go to work. So Is- that that's a really fascinating case, and we'll continue to follow it. Is Trump associated with Jeff oh, yeah. Epstein at all? All of them. I'm just imagining. All of these people, everyone that is wealthy and elite that you have heard about over the past 10 to 15 <laughs> to 20 years, I guarantee you has some you, understanding. I mean, he was just the party promoter. You yeah. know, it's these people where I do believe there are many people, many, many people who went to the Epstein parties, 
on whatever the hell yacht or his <laughs> mansion or wherever the hell they might be, yeah. who never saw anything. Yeah. I mean, these are huge gatherings, I'm assuming. You know how uh, with 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 elites around the world, but it's like the few people. Um, I'm sure if this is unsealed, there's going to be a few people in there being like, I think they were quite. They were on the inside of the Epstein party scheme. You know how Trump uh, accidentally called Tim Cook Tim Apple. I do. Yeah. Uh, I I just imagine. I'm just like imagining Trump saying like, my good friend Jeffrey pedophile. Uh, I think that he will probably end up calling him a good friend, and who knows. Maybe another pardon is uh, is coming up for uh, Jeffrey Epstein if he does end up, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see some more charges. That was a crazy case, and I don't fully understand how um, 13 months was seen as uh, as suitable for uh, for sex trafficking. I mean, God, Jeffrey Epstein is going to be he's so, a Pandora's box of well, that pedo- just, pedophilia accusations. It just, it just shows you, man. It just shows you wealth, money, uh, connections. Um, you know, grind, hustle. Yep, all that. You know, <laughs> it shows you what it can get you, and evidently, it can get you basically a get out of free jail card. Okay, and now just a story that's like a little bit ridiculous. Going back to 2011, this is when Donald Trump called Barack Obama a terrible student. Uh, okay, so and then Donald Trump, of course, boasted about being one of the top guys in his class. Of course, there's no evidence uh, that says that. As a matter of fact, the uh, the evidence that we do have points in the other direction. Uh, and of course, who cares? You know, it doesn't matter. George W. Bush got like seized throughout high school, and he like used it as a benefit. He was just like, "See, I'm just like you," and everyone's like, "Okay, cool." Like it doesn't even matter. This is just the psychopathy uh, and narcissism of Donald Trump. So this is uh, Michael Cohen. During his testimony to Congress last week, he called Trump a racist, con man, and a cheat. And then he goes on to say, when I say con man, I am talking about a man who declares himself brilliant, but directed me to threaten his high school, his colleges, and the college board to never release his grades or SAT scores. Cohen said, the irony wasn't lost on me at the time that Mr. Trump in 2011 had strongly criticized President Obama for not releasing his grades. The effort to hide Trump's transcripts came shortly after he called Barack Obama a terrible student and then demanded that he show the records. Evan Jones, who served as the headmaster of the school, told the Post that Superintendent Jeffrey Coverdale Mm -hmm. came to me in a panic. This is a quote from Evan Jones about Jeffrey Coverdale. He came to me in a panic because he had been accosted by prominent wealthy alumni of the school who were Mr. Trump's friends. They wanted to keep the records out of the public eye, Jones told the newspaper. Coverdale said, quote, you need to go grab that record and deliver it to me because I need to deliver it to them, Jones recalled. Coverdale told the paper that he didn't hand over the records even though the private school's board of trustees requested him to. Instead, he said, quote, I moved them elsewhere on campus where they could not be released. It's the only time I ever moved an alumni's records. At the time, the school (laughs) was struggling financially, so the administrators were in a precarious position. Coverdale refused to tell the Post who wanted him to hand over the file, saying, quote, I don't want to get into anything with these guys. You have to understand, these were millionaires and multimillionaires on the board, and the school was going through some troubles. But to hear, you will deliver them to us, that doesn't happen. This was highly unusual. And, of course, they did end up going to Donald Trump and asking for financial assistance. I think they asked for about $7 million, and Donald Trump basically said the school should just close. Um, so they didn't even get what they wanted. Yeah. you know. But that just tells you, again, 
kind of talking about the Jeffrey Epstein thing. And, you know, we talked about uh, the Michael Jackson scandal as well. Uh, on this week's side stories with Marcus Parks, the kind of the special new side stories uh, that we're working on. But this just, again, shows you the fear of God. Multi-millionaires, billionaires, whatever, they they strike the fear of God in people. And because everything, obviously, this guy's just like, I need to get money for this school. I can't piss off Donald Trump and all of his friends. So somewhere right next to Jimmy Hoffa's body, that is where Donald Trump's high school transcripts are and that just tells you to the extent <laughs> the extent that he will go to just cover up the truth of who he is and i just want to say this donald you're fine just the way you are he tells you know on, you don't even have to lie he donald. tells on himself so much he's ridiculous he clearly has like a 650 sat score imagine that that Could tr- be. that treasure hunt getting to the x and you find a, like a failing SAT score right. at the end of that rainbow. No, it's it's the letter that was found in the driver's side of the Big Lebowski's car that belongs to like Larry Sellers. It's just like you're a terrible student. Also, he's a total moron. It is highly, extremely illegal to release a student's SAT scores without their permission. So this is completely redundant to tell well, them not to do that. You never know. I'm sure they could have. I'm sure they could have been able to been able to get a couple of leaks there, but uh, it looks like they're they're safe under some piece of shrubbery at the <laughs> high school that Donald Trump uh, attended. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with not – I did – what did I get in high school? I think I got a 2.5. I think I was about 2.5 student all the way. C's get degrees. That's what my mom used to say. Mm-hmm. There's not even an indication of intelligence. SATs are notoriously flawed because they're good to measure the intelligence of a robot, but not necessarily a human being. What's the worst? But, what's the worst item in a vending machine? The worst item in a vending yeah, machine? Yeah, like the worst snack. Like the one that you're just like, no way, I can't. Ooh, well, that's no, that's a that's a loaded question there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say the worst item in a vending machine, probably, see, I actually like pretzels, but I have seen unsalted pretzels before, just the unsalted minis. What's the point? There's no need for that to be in there. Like if anything cracker um, based is in, in a vending machine. I can machine, deal I, with a good crack or maybe a saltine, but I never saw a saltine in a vending machine. Saltines, no. But no. whatever the worst mm. item in the vending machine is, Trump's SAT scores are hidden directly behind that. Ooh. C8. That's that's where you can find Trump's SAT scores. Check that out. Um, so, uh, yeah, anyway, that's just Cohen said that he wanted to confirm that the records were being permanently sealed. Uh, this is when Donald Trump was over at Fordham. Uh, Bob Howe, a spokesperson from Fordham, confirmed in a statement that Trump campaign staffer called the university, according to Time magazine. He also confirmed that a letter was sent to the university on, be- on his behalf. We told the caller that Fordham is bound by federal law and that we would not slash could not reveal share any records as we would not reveal any student records with anyone except Mr. Trump himself or any recipient he designated in writing. How said our stance remains the same. We obey federal law. There you go. Just a stupid. Every time Donald Trump says something, it's about him. So every time, so he criticizes Obama for being a horrible student. That just means he was a horrible student. He criticizes Hillary Clinton for being corrupt. That just means he is corrupt. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's total deflection. And, you know, he's the master of it. He's the master of deflection. So I guess that's, uh, I guess that means something. And just lastly here, this story, I didn't, didn't really get too much coverage, but I thought it was interesting regarding Chelsea Manning. Now, of course, WikiLeaks has sort of become 
hated by the left in mm-hmm. many ways, but there was a time when the left embraced WikiLeaks, uh, specifically when it comes to the NSA, the secret spy programs that are happening domestically and, of course, overseas. These things are not new. Uh, we've been talking about this stuff because of Ed, uh, Edward Snowden and, of course, because of Chelsea Manning as well. Chelsea Manning, uh, the former Army intelligence analyst who provided archives of secret military documents to WikiLeaks, in 2010 was taken into custody again on Friday after a federal judge found her in contempt for refusing to testify before a grand jury that is investigating the anti-secrecy group. So Judge Claude H. Hilton of Federal District Court in Eastern District of Virginia ruled that Miss Manning must stay in civil detention until she testifies. Miss Manning had vowed not to cooperate with the investigation, even though prosecutors in the District of Virginia granted her immunity for her testimony. In a statement posted on Twitter after she was arrested, Miss Manning said that uh, she had ethical objections to the secrecy of the grand jury system and, quote, will not comply. With the subpoena, the case is part of a long-running criminal inquiry into WikiLeaks and its leader, Julian Assange, that dates back to the Obama administration and which the Trump administration revived. Miss Manning said on Thursday that prosecutors on Wednesday had asked her a series of questions about WikiLeaks before the grand jury, but she had responded to every question by saying it violated her constitutional rights. So the pr- precise charge against Julian Assange remains murky, but trying to convict him of a crime for publishing classified information he received from someone else would raise novel and profound First Amendment issues. The Obama administration had decided against trying to charge him because of fears that establishing a precedent that his actions were a crime could chill investigative journalism. So Chelsea Manning sticking to her guns when it comes to WikiLeaks It was important information, specifically what happened regarding the Iraq war, uh, what was going on with just massive abuses, um, much of those abuses at the hands of the United States government, uh, Guantanamo Bay, just what the hell was going on overseas. We can't get our news media hides so much from us. And, Mm. you know, whenever they want to you know, rally around the flag and get us involved in a foreign conflict, all the media stations in lockstep, make sure that that seems like the best idea possible for the American people. And I don't know if everyone else is a 37-year-old out there, but you know what I'm talking about when you remember the lead-up to the Iraq War. That was disgusting. It was absolutely nauseating. So Chelsea Manning, I respect her. I mean, the fact she spent many years in prison already. uh, She was suicidal. So the fact that she's willing to go back behind bars and stand up for what she believes... You know, I got to say hats off. It, tougher than I am. Tougher than I am. Because you threaten me with, like, missing lunch. Yeah. And I will just be like, wiki, turn, Jul- I know where Julian is. Go go get him. Um, so the fact that she is saying, no, nope, I'm sticking to my guns. I don't believe it's constitutional to subpoena me uh, regarding uh, WikiLeaks and uh, perhaps what documents I shared with them. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's an interesting thing, and she remains someone who I you know I, did, did she do everything right? No, was there other was there other ways to go about things to achieve her goal? Yes, but at the same time, uh, she has a lot of conviction. So it's a shame that no. w- WikiLeaks sort of is sort of fallen out of. Well, what happened with WikiLeaks? So of course Julian Assange. I mean, he can at any moment. 
if he pisses off the wrong people, he's gone. Yeah. So he knows for a fact that right now he is being used. He is a useful tool mm-hmm. for the very least the Russians. So he really can't. It's no longer an honest, you know, just like dumping of information. Like, yeah. I do think that WikiLeaks used to really just be like, I'm independent. I don't I'm not beholden to any foreign governments. I'm not beholden to anyone. This is just the facts on the ground as as we are finding out. And we are just delivering them to the people. But I think since that has happened, um, Julian has to be much more careful about not pissing off certain people. And because of that, I think WikiLeaks has kind of lost. You know what I'm saying? It sort of lost that bipartisan or nonpartisan yeah, well, it was vibe. Like, it was the third way of sort of, of, of sort of like a super highly partisan media landscape. And right. I remember when that first video came out, the... Um, with killing of the innocent kid. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, holy shit. Like, we we actually have, like, a just sort of neutral dumping of information that we can just sort of parse. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, um, you know, I understand that's, that sent shockwaves through the intelligence community. But, quite frankly, as a United States citizen, supposedly in the land of the free, I think it's important to know what our military is doing because God knows we freaking finance it enough. Collateral murder. Um, that's what it was called. Collateral murder. Um, really interesting. So there's a little bit about Chelsea. She's back in the news, and uh, you know I wish the best for her. Also, just lastly here, there's a cool company called Four Oceans that's cleaning up the oceans, and uh, they got one million pounds of garbage out of the ocean. So that's pretty cool. It's called Four Oceans, number four oceans. But I'll talk about that later. <laughs> they, because I was telling people that's the future. The future job is literally just getting the trash out of the ocean. Yeah, like that is going to be like a good job. To have is just being like garbage collector of the, from the ocean because it is nasty. Yeah. It's nasty. It's going to be like a Katamari Damacy thing. They're going to have to roll up these giant globes of trash. Oh, yeah. And just sort of shoot them into space and turn them into stars. I have, it could be like <laughs> I that. I have no like, idea like what a, you do with these things. Like Mario Planet or whatever the yeah, hell that video Mario game Galaxy. was. Mar- Mario Galaxy. All right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Those are a couple of news stories for the week. Um, thank you. Let's see. Anything else, Travis? How was the episode? You think it was okay? It's pretty good. Pretty solid app. I had my coffee. I'm telling you this. Oh, Grady's cold oh, brew. Be careful. Can I just say this is a? I thought this was a really funny article. Mm-hmm. Martin Shkreli. He's he's still in prison. He's got seven years left. Seven years left. All right. He's still doing. No, that's the pharma bro. The pharma bro. Yeah. Uh, he's still doing business behind bars with uh with contraband cell phones, and he's mm-hmm. made two friends in prison. Crispy and D Block, okay, who affectionately refer to Shkreli as the asshole. Perfect. Honestly, I could see Martin Shkreli doing just fine in prison because he has no morals whatsoever, and uh, morality is a hindrance. The crazy thing is, he's like bars. he's actually like making moves in prison, and, pe- and I could see it. people on the outside are like trying to counter his like weird complex financial uh, movements. Yeah. From us, from like a Nokia phone in gonna, in prison. It's yeah, in between playing the game Snake and stuff. Uh, we're gonna hear about Martin Scarelli for our, the rest of our lives. I he is this is like he a is future, going away. He's this like, is a future supervillain. Yeah, he's like an STD. He's gonna be around for a while. Um, really fascinating. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Ben Kissel One. Excited to see everyone on the road coming up in the very near future. Okay, hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.